Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Baratapapa. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Baratapapa. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Celtic State of Mind. It is Friday. My name is Laura Bradburn and I'm joined as always by Tony Haggerty. How are you doing, Tony? I'm very well. Yourself, Laura? Not too bad. And Jim Orr, how are you doing, Jim? Good, Laura. Thank you. Good, good. Uh, plenty to discuss today. Obviously, we've got uh, Angie's first proper week in charge. We've got a new contract for Lee Griffiths. And we're going to have a wee look ahead. Um, the Champions League match against Mitchelland edges ever closer and we don't look any more prepared than we did this time last week. Obviously apart from the signing of, as you can see in the strap, Asazi Urugidi, um, how much Ange had to do with that and how much that was a deal that was already in the offing, we don't know but we'll discuss it. Before we get to all of that though, we have the hashtag guest to sell which is becoming our feature on a Friday. Um, for everybody guessing. We got a few weird ones in there. We got a few people, more than one person saying Yeri Arisic, which I'm not sure why, because to me it was pretty obvious from the from the lineup of clubs that it was a Russian player and, and Yarisic is obviously Czech. No, it wasn't Yeri Yarisic, it was uh former Chelsea goalkeeper Dimitri Karin, who played for the fantastically named 
FC Torpedo Moscow. That's not an instruction. That was the actual name of the team uh, from 1982 to 87. Uh, 88-91 to played for Dynamo Moscow. Seska Moscow for a year between 91 and 92. Then was obviously part of the Chelsea squad from 92 to 99 that became that kind of continental free-flowing style footballing team under Ken Bates uh, just before the Roman Abramovich era started uh, he joined Celtic in 1999 I believe a John Barnes signing but I'll get um, I'll get Jim and Tony to correct me if I'm wrong there so that was 1999 to 2002 and then he played for Hornchurch down in England for 2002 to 2004 um, Jim I'll come to you first uh, that was one of the main things that I was hearing from people on Twitter about Karine obviously didn't play too many games mm. from us uh, and, and really is associated with a time at the club that, that few like to remember the kind of John Barnes era that was a transitional, a transitional and not always positive time for the club what are your memories of that time? Yep uh, I'm going to be a quote for the Bible in the Bible gone you give us a kick of your ball mister by Anthony Haggerty available all good shots <laughs> <laughs> the funniest line, the funniest line in Anthony's book, right? Spoiler alert, right, is that he tells a story about he's playing football for the Scottish footballers, Anthony, against the English football journal. Oh dear, we are having trouble today. The internet is not our friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, Paul if you're watching, maybe get Jim to drop out. Yeah, we're going to get Jim to drop out and we'll come back. Tony, Dimitri uh-huh. Karin. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? A, neg- a negative time at the club for which he's not to blame, obviously. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, he's he's very closely associated with it. I'm going to go only an excuse on you again. And there's a brilliant, I think it's on the radio ones, possibly. Mm-hmm. And, and Jonathan Watson is doing his Hugh McIlvany and he talks about a player who he came, he saw, he went away again. <laughs> you know, my, I think he played 11 games in three years Dimitri Karin mm-hmm. he saw he went away again and was famous for wearing long trousers and Celtic not really achieving anything and I think in back to back games he lost two against Dundee and he lost two against Hibs and he played consecutive games but never played any game of note i.e. in Europe or against Rangers mm-hmm. so you know he's just he's just a figure sort of past going collected 200 yeah you know, in the John Barnes era just it's synonymous with failure isn't it it really is and I think uh, I think there's an unfortunate situation where you've got players like that who are are associated with it even though they themselves are not perhaps you know in any way to blame for the mismanagement of the club there's there's certainly players who fall into that category today I would say um, under the same you know but I remember uh, this might not go down well on a Celtic podcast. I am by no means a Chelsea fan, but one of my favourite teams to watch growing up was that Chelsea team that had Poye and Zola and, and Mark Hughes and, and all those kind of players. And Karin was very much a part of that team. And so I was quite excited when he signed, even though he was probably always going to be a second choice keeper. Um, but uh, yeah, not uh, guilty by association more than by cause, I think, is, is the problem with him. Um, Jim, you are back. Can you hear us now? I'm back. Yes, I can hear you. Yes, yes. Yes, yep. Yeah, that's grand. Oh, so we'll we'll get... Tony Haggerty. Tony Haggerty. <laughs> Tony, they put it Wembley for the Scottish football journalists against the English football journalists. And the classic line from the Tony Haggerty book when describing these players, it was like, a, who's he of international football? 
classic Lagarty. <laughs> Karine, uh, the music Karine would never feature in a who's who, but certainly in a who's he. Well, <laughs> uh, less than a dozen games. Wasn't he that great? Wasn't he that good? Wasn't he that bad? Some of the Barkas, maybe. Most famous for wearing tracky bottoms all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. You understand that if you're playing a European game in Russia at minus 20, or the Tony Macaroni, but to wear trackies all the time, he's for the watching, I think. Uh, <laughs> and I should pick another... Uh, I should pick another obscure goalkeeper. So with Sanchez Broto the other week, so, so my money is on either Tony Warner, Ian Andrews in the next few weeks. Uh, I'm actually, what do you, Tony? A... Because I'm realising I'm actually keen to hear Tony. I was actually keen to hear Tony because uh, every time Tony tells a story about an ex player, we end up greeting. So I wanted to hear that. Dimitri Karin. Make us no. cry, Tony. Make us cry with a no, great story. I didn't, that, that, was, that was an impossible uh, choice, Jim. I just said to Laura that I quoted only an excuse. He came, he saw, he went away again. That's all I could really think oh. about it, you know? So that's my thoughts. Non-descript. Non-descript. Yeah. Yeah. Non-descript, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think this, this choice this week was more based on thinking potentially it was going to be a more difficult guest rather than having very many stories to say. Johnny Doyle, he was not. We didn't really have uh, a lot to wax lyrical about him on, but... Uh, but he was a Celtic player of a certain description for a time of period in the club, so he will be remembered in that sense, at least. Um, moving on I to another... Yeah, I think you have to consult this wiki. Laura, when you have to consult the Celtic wiki, you know it's not a choice. It's not a good choice, <laughs> because you can't remember who they were. Johnny Doyle, Bertie Old. In fact, you said a week ago, defines that he's a Celtic supporter. If you can't tell a Bertie Old story, you're not a Celtic supporter. So when you pick Bertie Old and you pick Johnny Doyle, they're dead easy, but Dimitri Carey, Sanchez Broto, <laughs> up your game, Laura, up your game. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm I'm going for I'm going for the quiz question. The the who was the only player to such and such in the Celtic Coops and. Uh, I think that was another quiz question we were thinking about. What's the only strip we've ever released that never actually was worn during the match? And it was the pink one from a couple of years ago with New Balance. So that'll be a good quiz question going forward. Um, But moving on from the past to very much the present, Lee Griffiths, just before yesterday's bulletin, was announced that he had signed a a one-year extension. Uh, I saw a few people saying on Twitter it, uh, it upholds the charitable... Um, causes of Celtic Football Club that Lee Griffiths got a new contract <laughs> perhaps a little bit unfair um, I'm not his biggest fan I think he is pretty much done at the top level I think if you look at his statistics it's probably three or four years since he's been what you would call a regular goal scorer but I know you guys are, are much more invested in, in seeing him do well going forward so Tony I'll put it to you first Why why is this a good move for Celtic? And is it a good move for Celtic? Well, I do think it's a good move for Celtic. I think myself and King Jim are Lee Griffiths fanboys. We've stated that before. Now, we've also stated that this is his last chance. The only way Lee Griffiths can now repay any debt that he feels he may owe the Celtic fan is by scoring goals. That's what he has to do. He has to get fit and he has to score goals. And I think that's the way the Celtic supporters who were very split on this. But the fans will quickly be won over 
if Lee Griffiths plays a run of games and starts scoring goals and everybody can throw all the stats they want but he's not been a, a prolific goal scorer for the last three or four years I get that Ange clearly saw something in him when he spoke to him and his attitude and he wanted to give him a, a new deal so if in Ange we trust then he's got a new deal as Jim Keenan saying we move on what's in the past in the past this is a new regime he has to perform now and if he doesn't perform he'll be out the door in January because no doubt there'll be terms in the deal which say he'll have to leave so Lee Griffiths has no excuses now he has no excuses he's let himself down he's let Celtic down and he's let the supporters down he has some bridge building to do but the best way to do that is to do what Lee Griffiths does best and we know on forum and fat Lee Griffiths is the best striker in the country so I think that Lee Griffiths if he's fit and his attitude's right he will score goals for Celtic and he'll help Ange get off to a flyer yeah I, I think that's that's a fair point um, I, I... I saw a lot of people saying the exact same thing yesterday and my response to that would be, you know, there are qualifiers there if he's fit and if... But I do agree that on on his day, the qualifier being that he's about mm. as good a finisher as you'll find in the Scottish League. Um, Jim, Tony raised a good point there about Ange seeing something in him, about Ange obviously being involved, having spoken to him and making that contract happen. Um people are going to be watching Lee Griffiths very closely I think as a marker for how Ange has an influence on the team do you not think? I agree with my learned friend Mr Haggerty there everything he says about Lee Griffiths Lee Griffiths fanboys who are fan old man as I am these days uh, I think there's really good reasons to either stick or twist Lee Griffiths so I can probably see other people's points of view on this one and I pick he stays. I think he should stay. And I went on at length last week, which I won't repeat. But the, but the punchline was that the defence rest, Lee must stay. Uh, mm. Lots of stats getting banned about last week. You can make stats say what you want the stats to say, and that's coming from an accountant. You know, so you're looking at the goals per season. It's, 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 it's not very good at all. If you look at the goal, goals per minute on the park, it's very, very good. So you get a fit Lee Griffiths on the park then he'll do the business I'm pretty sure of that I was thinking about football memories I've talked about football memories in the past my my most current football memory to be honest is that I need to be there I don't like watching games on the TV I don't feel I have any football memories watching games on the TV I need to be there and my last real football memory is standing up applauding 60-70 yards away from Lee Griffiths with a ball under his arm and his three fingers in there having scored three goals against St Mirren we could have scored 10 that day we were outstanding and Lee Griffiths was absolutely outstanding I'm hoping my next football memory as I get to the Mitchell Land game and Lee repeats the feet because that's what we need to see as Tony said he has to deliver and I think Andrew's looking at the situation he doesn't have many bodies so he has to be sensible about the thing you're going to let Lee Griffiths go who you know if you get fit is going to give you the goals and I know people will say it's been since he's Genuine reasons why it's been years. But if you look at somebody to score a goal to save your life, I know that's a kind of cliche. But Lee Griffiths is, is the guy. When Celtic were desperate in the past, they bring Lee Griffiths on with 25, 20 minutes to go. Scotland did them time to take a penalty kick. You know, so the guy is mentally tough. You fit mentally attuned Lee Griffiths on the park, and he'll be outstanding. The Pepsi challenge is can you do that? Can Ange actually get more back? And I think he's in a no-win situation as well, Lee. 
I think if he scores the goals, people like me and Tony will say, there we are, we told you. And everyone else will say, well, why didn't he do that last season? So I think he's in a, he's in a kind of no-win situation. And has to kind of think, of, you know, I need bodies in here, guys who played at the top level, you know, because, you know, brought a young guy yesterday, and I'm sure we're going to talk about the guys. You know, we've been linked to somebody else who's only 19 years old, and I know age is a big factor. But I think this year, more than any other year, we need battle-hardened, experienced guys in that team to get us through this season. And I'd go after people season I don't normally go after. Uh, if we won the league last year, would it be bothered if Lee stayed or not? No. But I think we're in such a desperate situation this year that we have looked to guys at league that, you know, maybe, as I, said, I can well understand people saying he's had his chances and let go. But if we end up letting loads of people go... How many bodies does Ange have for this game? And is it two weeks' time? Just over two weeks' time. We need body on the park. And if if we manage to get by Mitchell, and I don't think we will. Uh, I think reality bites when we play them. We did get by them. It was going to score the goal. He's paid for himself in the one game. So as I said, I can well understand the difference of opinion. You stick up to us with Lee Griffiths. I'm going for sticking. Tony's going for sticking. Uh, I know you're for twisting, Lauder, but we're older and wiser. So Lee sticks. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think there's I think there's fair points on either side. Um, uh, just yeah. before we talk a little bit more about Lee Miravchik, twenty five commented on YouTube, and thanks to everybody commenting on YouTube, Facebook, and uh, Twitter where we are live. His last memorable moment. Uh, I say his, it could be, I don't know if it's he or she, but Maravchik25 says last memorable moment was the 95th minute in Rome, the noise, uh, and that's one I'm sure we all remember. Um, Drew Drew MACFC says um, Lee has to get fit and get sharp. The goals will come if he can achieve that. This is his last chance. I yeah. think we're all in agreement with that. Yeah. Um, Tony, yeah. I think... Part of the the reluctance I had to Lee being offered a new deal was, I know that it's a necessity for us to have bodies, and you know there's a potential that we don't have enough bodies, and so that he he gets a new contract more out of default than than choice. Um, but does that not restrict us moving forward in terms of acquiring somebody else, somebody who we may otherwise have been able to bring in that we maybe can't because we've offered Lee Griffiths a deal? Or is that is that me being too too negative on that front, do you think? I think you'll find the terms of this deal will be constructed around the games that Lee Griffiths plays. Mm-hmm. We've vastly reduced terms, but it'll probably be goals and incentivizations in it. You know, so I, think, I don't think it will uh, be a barrier to Celtic bringing anybody in. And I think Celtic need someone else to come in. Bearing in mind they've still got a jetty, but Celtic have played their best football with two players up front mm-hmm. in the past few years. Everybody knows that. Celtic function better with two players up front. Now, if Ange plays attacking football, which he supposedly does, then surely he's going to play with two players up front, you know, with a wide man or wide men supplying them from, you know, either flank. So I, I, I don't know how. Ange place to be fair or how he sets up I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what Celtic will look like against Michelin but uh, I I have to say Ange will live or die by these decisions this is a decision taken by the manager this week on the marketers report Patrizio Spagnoletto global chief marketing officer direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery weighs in on building trust 
Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Because the other day he was supposed to be leaving, people say they'd wiped all, you know, traces of Celtic off Instagram and all this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. it was speculation. Nobody knew anything. And then... The manager and the player announced it. Well, Celtic announced it. And the manager said he was happy. So if the manager has watched him in training, he looks fit or he's shown him something that he thinks, right, I'll give you a new deal. But he probably with a caveat, don't you dare let me down. And if Celtic are going to play the football that caters to Lee Griffiths in an attacking style, then I would say there will be another attacker coming in. I don't think Hans Postacoglu doesn't know that or he won't know that. Mm-hmm. He won't give a jetty that a similar kind of chance to see if they can form a partnership. And bearing in mind at this moment in time, Watson Edwards still there. Yeah. So, you know, and the, the the best attacking play that Celtic have played in the past couple of years was when Lee Griffiths played up, up top alongside Watson Edwards. So, you know, they might be the two that start against Michelin. So we'll see. You know, and uh, and we'll see moving forward. But I just think the one thing, if you get fit Lee Griffiths on the park, the one thing he'll guarantee you is goals. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's still said there's all sorts of extenuating circumstances why he's not scored goals because he hasn't played a lot. But if you give him the ball, he'll score. He, he functions in that world, as I've, I've said before. He, he He's very one-dimensional in a football park. You give him the ball, he wants to get a shot away. He wants to score. So mm-hmm. you have to play to do that. So mm-hmm. you, you see, all the stats can be manipulated to suit. But you know, I'm I'm an opinion. We when we are now all in with Ange. So if Ange is giving the guy a new contract, then he has to. You have to work in the premise, new manager, clean slate. Let's go again mm-hmm. and see where it takes you. And Lee Griffiths will be the first hunted out the door mm-hmm. if he lets if he lets the manager down. I would say so. I, th- I think if there's one thing we know from Ange already, it's that he def- doesn't suffer fools gladly, and uh, anybody who's not meeting these standards will uh, will certainly be be given short shrift and shown the door before too long. Um, just to bring up a point you mentioned about about Odson Edward, I know his contract's coming to, to near to an end, so a new deal would need to be agreed. But Scott Howe says on YouTube, I think Eddie will stay. Mm. Um, Jim. There's a lot of talk about Eddie potentially going um, elsewhere, um, but the only one that had any sort of concrete to the rumours was perhaps Leicester, who have of course now signed the £23 million striker, so the, the likes of that um, happening is is not really as, as likely as you would have thought. Do you think that we're all um, speculating about something that might not happen? Do you see Edward being here next season? I don't think he will be here next season, but a good thing would be if we can hold him, hold him as long as possible towards mm. the end of the transfer window. Because if we've got Eddie, who is focused on the game and a fully fit league Griffiths in two weeks' time, that gives us half a chance against Mitchelland, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think 
my view was a few weeks ago was who's actually going to play in that game? And then we're thinking, I've been a Yeti on his own up front. But if you've got Griffiths and Edward up front, then we've got half a chance against Mitchell. And, and, you know, if he goes towards the end of the transfer window because he wants to go, then fair enough. Because we've, we learned that lesson the hard way last year when players don't want to be here. I think we should let them go and we try and get the amount of money we possibly can. And I think that's easier said than done because we're, we're very quick to say, I get rid of him, get rid of him. But it's a complicated process to actually get rid of a player. Mm. You know, there has to be people on either side who actually want to who want to play ball. Uh, I remember watching the the Spurs documentary uh, and they were trying to sell Ericsson and you saw Mourinho and Ericsson and Daniel Lee chatting and, and it was such an eye-opener, you know, because they're mm. trying to see Ericsson, well, we've had a bit of X, but that's not good enough for us. We want more than that. And Ericsson just sitting bemused watching them <laughs> chat about it. You know, and that's the thing because, you know, if from a, from a Chris Ayer point, you'll only get what people are willing to pay. So mm. we can say we... We would like to get 20 million for him, but we're not going to get 20 million for him. Do you accept 10 when you think you can get 12 or 13? And I think football fans, we say these numbers really quickly as if it doesn't matter. You know, it'd be great to get 12 instead of 10. So let's try and get 12. But at what point do you put your hands up and say, well, fine, we'll, we'll just take the 10? But I'd be hugely encouraged if we'd a fully focused Eddie and a fully fit grip for that game in two and a half weeks' time. That will certainly give us a chance. Uh, and see we are, you know. Uh, but the other side of the coin, are you that focused for the game? Because at the end of the day, you don't want to get injured. You're going to jeopardise a multi-million move. So we have a balancing act there. I think if we keep all our, all our good players from last once we went on loan, and they're there in two and a half weeks' time, maybe we'll have a chance. Maybe I'm a bit too pessimistic. Uh, but yeah, I think he will go. I think he wanted to go last year. I think it's just about getting as much money as we possibly can for him, and, and hopefully Andrew get to reinvest most of that. I think the big issue that we have is that the board won't financially back Ange. And he has to be financially back because I said last week, all of a sudden the underdog, we've managed to just, you know, flip and all of a sudden we're underdog. So he has to invest in the team. And, and the news about the season tickets sale is encouraging as well because there's no excuse now to say, well, if we'd only sold, sold maybe 30,000 season tickets, we'd say, well, we don't have the finances, but if they're sold, there was a season tickets in years gone by, and we sell Eddie and we sell I and we get a few bob them. There's no excuse for not giving Ange a few bob. No, I'm saying we should spend a lot of money because I think, as I've said before, I think we have to buy smart. And it's not about big money signings. We were English burnt last year. Five million for Barkas, five million for Ayeti, you know, high wages. We, we get burnt there. So we have to be cleverer uh, than we were last mm. year. But uh, what was the question? I think Eddie will definitely go. Uh, I can't see him staying. But if we keep him to towards the end of the transfer market and give us some sort of chance of maybe making the Champions League. That would be great. Do you, do you agree, Tony? Do you think there's any chance that we'll keep Eddie or do you think, like Jim, he's probably on his way and it's a case of holding on to him for as long as we can? I think he'll be on his way. But if we can hold on to him for as long as we can and he can be the consummate professional and turn up when you need him, you know, if he plays in the European tie, you know, you're asking him to do a job. You know, I... Like, because let's be honest, Eddie is still in the shop window. So mm-hmm. anything he does will just enhance his reputation and might might get some kind of uh, tug of war for him. You know, but he, he has to earn that move. And so far, Leicester was the only one that was supposedly, you know, a concrete interest. I mean, I'm not sure if there's been any other offers or, you know, there lots of talk and speculation, but... Not, there's not been many concrete offers for any of the players, and include Ayer in that as well. 
you know, maybe 10 million offers for Ayer, but Celtic are holding out for 12. But as long as Eddie's there, and as Jim says, it's, you know, if their heads are out the door, then it's hard. But whilst they're here, they have to be professional. Mm-hmm. And if the manager picks them, they've got to let's try. Or at least show that they're trying and, and, and do what they do best. That's be a professional football player. And in Eddie's case, you know, score goals as well. The same with Lee Griffiths. But as Jim talking there, we, we have to spend wisely. We have to still bring in first-team ready players. Mm-hmm. No more projects. You know, no more guys for coach teams are, you know, that can be loaned out. Celtic have to bring in first-team ready players. And that's what Jim probably alludes to when he means a bit more should. You know, no guys that have that are take, going to take time to settle. We want guys that are tried and tested at some kind of decent level who can walk straight into this team. And regardless of their age, I don't mind about age. Mm. You know, if guys have got a string of games behind their belt, then if they're young enough, you're good enough. That's the old adage, isn't it? You know, so first team ready players, and, I don't, I'm, and I'm sure Angie's rightly aware of that, because it is a big rebuild that we've got coming up. But if you get first team ready players, then you're giving yourself half a chance. Mm-hmm. And I think as well that... Um... You know, I was thinking about the list of players, Lee O'Connor, um, Kundai Benyu from a few years ago, um, and others like that. Who's the young guy that went to Queen's Park on loan last season? Um, from Luke O'Connell, yeah, they're, they're all on that list. And um, and Ismalia Sorrow would have been on that list, but look what happened when we gave him a chance. It was one of the shining lights of a certain part of the last season, obviously. So I think there needs to be a bit more faith. And if, if anything that Ange has said is to come to fruition, he's certainly got that faith and, and age isn't a factor to him. So we will wait and see if he, if he lives up to his reputation as far as that's concerned. Um, Joe Glenn on YouTube, thanks for comment, and says, Eddie will play and when he does... Uh, and if he does well and gets the movie once and we get more money so that that kind of goes back to what you said um tony of i've never understood this uh, down in tools that players do because surely mm-hmm. it's in their own benefit to their own benefit to play well and get the move that they want as much as it is a benefit for the club to get what we can out of the player until he leaves and hopefully be financially rewarded for it but as far as Eddie's concerned we hold on to him for as long as we can maybe even he helps us qualify for the Champions League and that helps us pay for the the replacement for him so so we'll see Um, but we'll move on to um, another point that Jim raised earlier on Um, Anybody who was watching this week, Dom Mackay has been very much at the forefront of a lot of the Celtic publicity. And one of the um, things that he was talking about was um, that we are apparently very close to selling out the the season ticket allocation that we have this season. Now, given that a lot of people were um, perhaps going to see it as a form of protest not to renew their season ticket, the fact that we're nearly sold out is a fantastic reflection on the Celtic support and their, their ability to, to back the team. So what he said uh, when he was speaking about it, and this is from the Herald in Scotland, um, or, or, or the Herald Scotland, uh, we've recorded a fantastic level of interest in our season ticket renewals, and yet again we have the highest number of season ticket holders in the country backing a team for the season ahead. A phenomenal figure which is quickly approaching sellout last Friday saw the season tickets uh, saw the most season tickets ever sold by the club in one day in our entire history we're all very much looking forward to welcoming our season ticket holders back to Celtic Park very soon and I'm encouraged by the recent government guidance that indicates a possible return of f- fans to football in the coming weeks we will of course keep you updated 
uh, as we get information from the government and relevant authorities. The positive impact of having our supporters back at Celtic Park cannot be underestimated as we look to a new era uh, with our focus firmly set on a return to winning ways. Now, I thought that was a really encouraging statement for a number of reasons. I think it was a bit more of a positive spin on the impact that Celtic fans can have rather than um, Neil Lennon's comments always appearing to suggest that, you know, the lack of fans there was almost to blame for the reason we weren't playing so well and, and de facto putting putting fans at the centre of many of the problems that Celtic were having this season. Uh, but, Jim, I'll come to you first as a season ticket holder. Um got to be encouraging news not just from a financial point of view as you said but from a just from a, a, a morale point of view that you know there's going to be a pretty much full Celtic Park as soon as possible because season ticket holders are renewing and they're being um, uptaken in bigger numbers than ever before Very much so Laura very much so I think uh, I think a lot of people were surprised at that last uh, Friday, in terms of selling record number of season tickets, there was a lot of understandable moaning and groaning last season. Totally understandable. And I think at one point, on here, we were, if things go the way they're going to go, we might be lucky if we sell 30,000, 35,000 season tickets. So to get the numbers they've got is quite astonishing. As I alluded to earlier, I think people are just desperate to go to a football match. They're just desperate to, to, to be there. And I think watching the Euros this week, there's some of the games that's what football memories are all about. It's about actually going to the games. And I think that was the major point. You know, I think if if he'd have said two weeks ago there's no way fans can get into games for the next six months, I don't think we'd hold record numbers of season tickets. I think the possibility that in the third game of the season there's going to be 60,000 people at Celtic Park. Hopefully, hopefully, if things go to plan. Uh, I don't think anyone thinking that a few weeks ago. Uh, and it will just be astonishing to get back because, again, we've had everyone in the world has had a really hellish, you know, 15, 16 months. And the thought of going into a football match and, 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 and chatting to people and singing and guys going to the pub beforehand or getting the bus up to, you know, different parts of Scotland or come over mile and all this kind of stuff. People will be so far looking forward to that. And if we're getting back from sort of normality, I think it's, it's understandable why people were renewed in such numbers. We just want to get back. We've got the big chap in there. We like the cut of his jib, so we get behind him. That gives us the money to compete. I think fans did realise that if we only sold 30,000 season ticket holders, that's going to hamper the manager straight away. Very encouraged by that, and I'm trying to visualise at some point in mid-August or so, we're all back at Celtic Park, and that would be a huge step towards normality because, you know, as I said earlier, watching the games on TV, no crowds there. It's not really football. Enthusiastic about next season. Obviously, there's 50 odd thousand other people like me who are just dead keen to get back. Yeah, um, Tony, Jim raises a really good point there of like, in a kind of roundabout backwards way, it's almost as if, regardless of what happened on the pitch, the pandemic has been the selling point for the season tickets because. We do have a hunger there from people, especially the people who, for whom uh, regular attendance at the football matches uh, during the week and at the weekend was a massive part of their life. They're desperate to get that back. And surely, you know, the, the events of the past season are almost irrelevant when it comes to season ticket sales if people think they're going to be back in a full stadium by August. Last season's gone. You know, I, I don't think you can underestimate how well 
Ange Postacoglu and Dominic Mackay came across in the first address. And I'll say one thing. The initial scepticism has been replaced with pure, unadulterated optimism on the back of the way they spoke. Two guys in tandem seem to be, they're talking the talk, now they need to walk the walk. But there's a real, I've stopped short of saying a feel-good factor, of course, for the Celtic supporters, but Hans and Dom are just, and this week, they have realised they they are working for a wonderful set of fans who will do their bit and back them. And as Jim says, they're just desperate to get back in and help the team, help the new management structure. And it's credit to the Celtic supporters for working out large amounts of cash. In. Uh, I applaud that. We deserve a pat on the back for doing that and we're doing it again in record numbers because we've spoken often enough about the time it took to get the new manager in place and ourselves included were among the, the sceptics, you know, but we're, we've warmed to it. We've been much more positive in the past couple of weeks and it's that surge of positivity that's creating that optimism and that hope that we can all move forward in tandem and restore success to the football club. And you know that the two guys... Who have, I would say, talked to talk, they're still to walk the walk, but they will do their utmost, as Martin O'Neill said when he took the job and stood on the stairs, do his utmost to try and bring success to the football club. And as supporters, that's all you want. And for, in this moment in time, that's what you're seeing. It seems to be guys that are working hard, which is why people have renewed and gone, and despite mm. the fact that protests and I'm not going to renew, it, it's a drug. They're addicted to it. You know, it's, it's Celtic Football Club. Of course you're going to renew. You know, it's all... You're always going to renew. You know, so... Uh, I, I, again, I go back to it. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Optimism. They're optimistic. And and we'll see in a couple of weeks when they play the European tie if that optimism takes a dent. But at this moment in time, things seem to be going the right way. Season ticket money's coming in. They're starting to sign players and offer contracts to players who you thought might have been going out the door. So it's, that's that groundswell of optimism that's coming in. Here's hoping that it can continue. Yeah, I think so. I think it's been an encouragement. Also, start. Laura. Yeah. yeah, on you go, Jim. Yeah. I think also, Laura, uh, after COVID, everyone... I want to go back to the old normal because we love the old normal and we didn't appreciate how we loved the old normal until we had the new normal. And I just think people just want to get back into football stadiums, meet with people, go for a drink, 
chat about stuff. Not listen to us on podcast. Get a chance to chat in the about the games, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think everybody's just desperate for that for that connection. I'm sure. Um, I, I don't think there's anybody out there who isn't um, the opportunity to get back to that kind of normality. And I think that's where the podcast has helped a lot of people. I certainly know that the post match or the pre match and post match coverage that we've done here and, and other channels have done a lot of the feedback that I've got have been that you know in times where you couldn't get to the pub with your mates, this was a decent enough replacement it doesn't fully replace that obviously but it's been a replacement that will will do until people can get back into that that swing of things so um but jim i was going to come to you on uh, robert baker on youtube says i doubt mckay's vision will become reality the board will let him down now obviously he's trying to do a lot of positive things the Kano foundation donation that um i banged on about last week was really encouraging um the season tickets seem to have had a boost in sales based on his his positive uh, spin on things at the conference uh, last week but do you think Martin uh, sorry do you think the, the viewer Robert Baker there's got a point do you think he's going to be hamstrung by the current board considering it hasn't really changed very much it's a really good question I think uh, I think Dom Kai will have his own targets uh, obviously nobody knows what those targets are in terms of Increase in revenues, uh, you know, maybe the charitable foundation thing. I've mentioned there's a few legacy issues that I want more people with. And he's not going to deal with them in day one, uh, like that person in the fan media wanted him to do. He'll come to that at some point in time. Uh, if Celtic want to be a modern club, if Celtic want to be a big club, then they have to do certain things. And we haven't done certain things over the past decade or so. Whose fault's that been? Is it the chief executive? Is it the growing executive? Is it the major shareholder? Who knows? But there's lots of things I'm sure Don McKay would like to, to modernise the club, and that's the word that he used, modernise the club. And that's a double-edged sword to me, because the more modernisation they can do, that means we're on some date. How do we get to the point we need to do so much modernisation? And then you would then ask, that's a question you'd have to pose to the board, because the board are meant to kind of oversee this, they're meant to be there, especially the non-exec guys, they're meant to question these things. Why aren't we doing this, and why are you doing this? So you wonder how much of that kind of input in the past, or as old Dermot Desmond, this is how we do it, and that's it. Uh, I'm sure Don McCann is going to do. Uh, one of the things I said uh, two or three weeks ago, I thought, I was always about, I'd like my team to be as transparent as possible, to be as honest as possible with fans, you know, as much as they can be. This is what we're hoping to do, this is how we're going to do it. Uh, what these are, I've got no idea. Something like Dom McKay, who also has learned from his previous job, and he must be looking at areas where we should be earning more money or doing other things. So I'm encouraged by the start that he's made only, albeit he only officially took up the reins a couple of days ago, uh, or yesterday. Uh, so well, can I see what happens next? Uh, as I said, I'm a bit concerned that there's so much modernisation. I always remember... Tony May vaguely remember this when Terry Cassidy came in. Terry Cassidy was Celtic's first ever chief executive, and the Whites and the Kellys brought him in to try and act as a shield between them and the fans. And as part of this, let's say for the Celtic campaign, we had a public meeting, Terry Cassidy came along, and he said, You would not believe what I've had to do. Every single part of the club needs looked at. Now, you can maybe substitute that phrase for modernisation. I'd like to think every part of the club doesn't need modernisation. Uh, I'd like to think that. Because if, if that's what's happening, you know, what the last executive do, 
But to, to answer your question, I'm optimistic about what he can do and the board have to back him as well. And I think what people were saying last season is the board maybe needs a bit of a shake-up. Maybe need some new ideas, maybe a bit more diverse. So I'd like to see that happening. We've got a new chief executive, we've got a new manager in, and maybe, you know, three or four new board appointments would be no bad thing as well. People bringing new things to the party. Because once again, we don't really know what the board do. You know, somebody tweeted something last week, which was dead interesting. It was a, a lot of scouts that we have. And it was something like 13, mm-hmm. was it, Tony? I can't remember. 13 yeah, yeah. scouts that we had, including Tosh McKinley. I think Peter Houston was one of the... I think he, was, he, he, was a, he was a first team analyst. And you're thinking, mm-hmm. what does a first team analyst do? I don't know what a first team analyst does. Be good to know it, what that job entails. Again, because the more you know about the club, the more you understand about things. Because I think we've been very guilty as fans in general to point the finger of blame at people. Mm-hmm. And the man with the laptop because we think, what's he doing with his laptop? And again, I've kind of said, I'm sure that what he does is a good job because he got a pass mark in that mm-hmm. internal review. So it'd be good to know what, to know what Bomb's five-year plan is. Doesn't have to tell us who's going to achieve that plan, but key markers. And I did months and months ago. The main thing is Europe, to me. And if I target for Celtic, it would be that our coefficient is eight percentage higher than it is just now. So if we do that, we must be doing good things. So it'd be good to know what almost five-year plan is. Uh, the Bordeaux plan. Well, before I come to to Tony for his thoughts on the same question Jim, uh, this question at the bottom says does Jim Orr still think we'll win the league? Are you that positive going <laughs> forward? <laughs> it's a two horse race and we should be good enough to beat the other teams You know, let's, let's ignore last season and <laughs> Mirrens and the Motherwells of this world and then comes down to Glasgow Derbies what happened last year in the Glasgow Derbies is 10-1 in points to major rivals. We need to turn that on its head. And the first thing we've got to that is going to come four weeks into the season. And that's why I've said, I think we need battle-hardened players. And there could be a, a full crowd at that game. 50,000 people not on their side. And I don't think we should be saying 19-year-olds and 20-year-olds for that game. We need battle-hardened experience players that's the guy and I think the season will turn on the Glasgow Derbies and if we can come out of Ibrox level on points then there's no reason why we can't win the league and I think we'll also make a better fit last season and I've said in the past the team that won the league last season totally deserved to win the league it was an exceptional season that they had and I don't think they'll put that many points they'll put. They'll not put as many points on the board as they put on last season, because it was an exceptional season. And we were really poor. If we put more points on the board, I think they'll put on less. Whether it's enough to get there, I think it'll be close. So to answer to answer the question, there's no reason why we can't win the league next year. But the first, I think the first six, seven games will be absolutely vital. Yeah. Ask me that question after six, seven games. But for now, <laughs> no reason why not. Let's be optimistic. Record season ticket sales. We like the cut of Vans jib. Let's be positive. I, absolutely, I'm totally on board with that. Tony, just to go back to the question about um, the, the one of the, the viewers raised about the um, about the board perhaps perhaps hamstringing uh, uh, Dominic Mackay. Um, 
surely he's in a position where he can call the shots and he can modernise in the way that he wants or do you think there are still people there that hold a bit too much power as far as that's concerned? Well, the board have brought Dominic Mackay in. Yeah. They have to back him. It's just, it's, this is, they're saying this is the man to modernise Celtic and take them forward. As Jim says, what extent is the modernisation, what extent does that take place? But, you know, if this is their man, then they have to give them the tools to do the job. Mm-hmm. You know, the same way they brought in the manager, they have to give them the tools to do the job. So time will tell. But I agree with Jim. I think the board could be doing with freshened up, with fresh ideas and just fresh faces and fresh people. You know, so, uh, but who they are, I don't know. Maybe Dom would be able to identify some people that could maybe come on and, and help him uh, in the board structure. You know, but I, I, I just feel that you know that you know last last season we spoke about the disconnect between the board and you know this Peter Lowell and the players and the management. So we're starting to put these parts of the jigsaw together. You know, so it, it, we have to take small steps. And we all, we always said that when guys like Dominic Mackay came in, we didn't want to hear from them every week. As Jim said, we'd like to know what they do. Mm. We'd like to hear them speak when. We're talking about, you know, worthwhile figures, i.e. season ticket sales, you know, the accounts and stuff like that. That would indicate to me that, you know, they're doing a good job because you don't hear from them that often unless it's to educate you and inform you of what they're actually doing and their plans. You know, if Dob was to come out and tell us his plans, five-year plan, great. Uh, we would, you know, always get back to it. Fergus did that. You know, he told us what he was going to do in five years going to build a team capable of winning the title and he was going to build a stadium. Stuff like that, you know. Going to have a share issue and Celtic supporters would pay for it, as we've spoken about many times. So if, if Don would like to come out and tell us where he sees Celtic in the next five years, but I, I have to agree with Jim, you have to start making uh, inroads in Europe. That defines you as a football club. But it also helps, as you say, with the coefficient and helps you moving forward that if you do have a team capable of winning the league, i.e. this season, you're walking straight into a Champions League group stage with 40 million quid at your disposal. These things help. So Celtic have to start pulling their weight in terms of getting results in Europe. You know, it might come too soon for Ange right now. That's fair enough. But moving forward, you know, we have to be a European competitive club as well as a domestically successful club. And I would like to think that Dom and Ange would put that would put that at the top of the list of priorities. Mm-hmm. In terms of players, I agree with Jim with battle hardened players, but I just want players that are ready to go straight into the first team. Mm-hmm. Age doesn't really concern me because if they're good enough, they'll play. You know, so but I, I get Jim's take on the battle hardened and experienced guys. I get that too, but I just want them to be ready to walk into the the cauldron of Ivox within four weeks against a hostile crowd and be able to cope. You know, because nothing will prepare you for that. Nothing. But if you're a player of repute, then you will be able to handle it because that's why you're a footballer, because you want to play on those occasions. You know, you, you want to show what you've got and hopefully Ange can fashion and mould a team even that early in the season that can go to Ibrooks and come through unscathed. And I'm not just talking about a draw. I'm mm. talking about going there and actually throwing down a marker, some kind of gauntlet and challenge and saying, right, we're bang in this from early, early doors. And that's that's exactly, that's what Celtic 
and well, Ange, Ange's new look Celtic have to do. They have mm-hmm. to go find Castle and win, and they have to go to Ibrox and win within the first four weeks of the season, and then you'll get some kind of, you know, you'll get some kind of marker or idea of just how well Celtic could be placed moving forward. But and I wouldn't be frightened about that. You embrace that challenge and you meet it head on. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you don't don't worry about about that. You just go right. Let's have it. That's the way I would approach it. I would definitely approach it the same. Um, David Kelly on YouTube says, I think that if we can get some early momentum, we could surprise quite a lot of people. Celtic with momentum is hard to stop, but let's not kid on saying Rangers are terrible. We have to fight for it. I don't think anybody on this podcast, or certainly not myself or or either of you guys on the show, um, have ever said that we thought Rangers were terrible. I think there was a combination of Rangers playing much better than they have done previously and having enough talent to, to really build a momentum. And then us also having a terrible season. I think it will be closer next season, whether we can turn it, as, as Jim says, whether we've got enough to completely flip the, the, the differences is, remains to be seen. But I don't think anybody here is thinking Rangers are a terrible team. It's just that I think we can be better if we can get a bit of consistency under our belt. But um, first step on the road to success will be the FC Michelin game in just uh, under three weeks time uh, is it the first leg at Celtic Park I think um, I'm not entirely sure yeah. but either way yeah, I, yeah, yeah it's first leg at Celtic Park um, Tony I'll come to you on it first um Asazi Urugidi was announced yesterday as a brand new signing obviously a young guy um who I would presume doesn't fall into that category that you suggested of a first-team ready player. Um, Liam Shaw would probably be the same, um, and as would the the young uh, stri- striker that we signed a, a few weeks ago, whose name is already escaping me. Um, having said all that, and the fact that they don't look as if they're going to come in and immediately strengthen our team, where do you think is most important for us to strengthen and how do you think we can manage that in the next in the next few weeks before the Champions League qualifiers? You threw the spine of the team. Whole spine of the team needs strengthened. Mm-hmm. Goalkeeper, centre-half, centre-mid, centre-forward. There you go. There's four for a start. Mm-hmm. So obviously, the fill-back areas which we've had problems with in the past, you know, so they need strengthened too. But that, that for, me, for me, that's where Celtic needs strengthened. That, that whole spine of the football team, you know, and as Jim said, uh, you would reserve your big money for your centre forward. But if you can source, you know, a good goalkeeper, good centre back, and a good centre mid for decent money, who are battle hardened, as Jim said, but and have experience, then let's do that. Let's see what the 13 scouts, which I was surprised at as well. Let's see them earn their corn. They should be the ones that should be throwing names in at Ange and saying, look, you should get this guy for such and such a price. You know, he plays for such and such a team or such and such a league or whatever. But that's that's when these guys should come to the floor and, and arm them with a list of candidates and players. You know, I saw yesterday they were talking about, you know, Aaron Moy and James McCarthy, guys like that, you know, so, don't know if those are names that excite Celtic supporters. You know, you just have to see. But again, have to trust the manager's judgment too. The manager will have his own thoughts on that, on those things as well. But if you're asking me where they need strengthening, I think that whole spine is what I would be looking at 
And the players that have came in, I would ask the question, why are they not first team ready? Mm. If you're signing them. So I would expect them to be able to go into the team and play straight off the bat. Again, I go back, I don't I'm not worried about age. You know, if this is a Celtic team in transition, then so be it. You know, the chips fall where they fall, but you're hoping the manager can get into them a system of play and structure that, that and also mm -hmm. a winning formula that can take you forward regardless of the personnel. You know, but we we have to we have to bring bodies in. You know, we, we need a competitive team to start in two and a half weeks and to start the league campaign. So you know the areas we've identified in there. Go and mm. do it. And if the board and John McKay and they're all in sync, then he should get the financial tools to go and do it because the Celtic fans have just paid their hand earned when they were told if they didn't buy season tickets then there wouldn't be enough money to spend on players. Celtic mm. fans have done their bit. They're funding this revolution. Go and give the go and give the lion's share of that to Ange to take it to the next stage and get bodies in the door. Yeah, it's it sounds pretty simple when you say it like that. You know, it's uh, it's it's common sense that we need to we need to get out there and hopefully the work's being done. Jim, there's there's a couple of problems that come with that with the type of overhaul that we need in the squad and the type of um, type of numbers we're talking about for recruitment. It looks more and more likely like Champions League football is going to be a bonus if it's even a reality at this point. Do you not think? I think time is not on Angie's side. Unfortunately, that's not his fault. He's just walked in the door. Uh, I think in the past few years, the kind of players we've brought in are ones for the future. We need ones for the now. We need to bring them in and we need experienced players. And I get Tony's point about, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're good enough, you're young enough, all that kind of stuff. But I'm a bit concerned when I read the report, maybe there's nothing in it, about going for the young guy, 19, I can't remember where he's coming from, centre-back, yeah, 19 year olds with no experience. So, I mean, Croatia, he's a great player, don't get me wrong. So, are they, Tony? Is that the Croatian boy, Mario Vizca? The Croatian lad, the centre half. He may be the next wonder kid, but he's 19 years old. And for me, that's not the kind of player I want at this point in time. If we're a successful team, you can bring in two or three youngsters easily into a good team. But, but Angie's starting from scratch, it's like a blank piece of paper that he's got. And as I said before, I've used the phrase battle hard. We need guys who know what they're doing. I said this week, you know, watching the Euros, some of these countries, you know, Switzerland and Austria, different level to us, tactically, technically. You know, I think, my personal opinion, that's not a market we should be looking for. I think we get decent value for money in there. Uh, you get somebody who's 27, 28, who's experienced in the League for a number of years, good solid centre-half, two good solid centre-halves, two good full-backs. I think we've got to have to replace the old back four, plus the goalkeeper, possibly undertaking I think the big thing for next season starting with Mitchelland is not to lose daft goals and how you do that is you do that by coaching the players and it's only got two and a half weeks to coach the players and some of them haven't actually not actually there and that's why I think he's got such an impossible job on his hands uh, and I think he's in focus for the next two and a half weeks to get the players who he's got at the moment and try and coach them the best he can not to lose goals I think offensively I've said this all last season I think uh, I've got a very simplistic view of football. I want four defenders who defend and a defensive midfield player who defends. I don't Chris Ayer run from the back four but he can't head of the ball. Or a Chris Julian who hits 
60-yard passes, but gets bullied on AstroTurf. I don't want that. And just earlier, at no point, at any point last season, did I say the team who won the league were a team. They're a very good team. They're a very good functional team. And they should be better this year. Because they'll make signings, and I think they will be better this year. I just don't think there's much points, but that's a different argument. And I'm saying the centre half, I look across to Guy Goldson, Balligan, you know, these are not world beaters, but good, solid, no nonsense centre half, battle scarred, experienced guys who play within a formation, who are well coached. To me, is wow. what you want in a defence. Nothing fancy. Good defence. Offensively, I think we've got enough players out there. The Turnbulls, Callum McGregor's, Ryan Christie, if he stays, James E. Forrest, Lee is on his game, a Yeti might come good, Eddie if he stays. I think going forward will kind of be okay. My big concern is at the back. And that's what Ange has to sort out as quick as possible because we went a whole last season and nobody could fix what happened at the back. And if we keep losing daft goals to sexes, we'll win, we'll win nothing next year. We'll not even come close next year. That's that's my biggest concern. Put out the back and bit as quickly as possible. Sorry, Tony. Jim, on that, I mean, nobody had really heard of Goldson and Balogun when they came. You know, I, I think it's a bit disingenuous to, you know, to just kind of not say you don't want Mario Vuskovic. This boy's a talent, you know. People have sourced him and reckon he's a talent. And I think he does what he says in the tin. He, he defends. So I know he's only 19, but, you know, if, if he comes to Celtic, then I think that's somebody that, you know, could do a, a job for Celtic. You know, so uh, I would be I would be more optimistic if Celtic signed someone like that to to fit the hole in the defence that you're talking about. You know, I, I get what you're saying about Goldson and Balogun, but well, they were unknown quantities when they came to Rangers. You know, well, virtually a lot of people saw maybe Goldson from Brighton, yeah, but he never featured too much for if them. If I think yeah, I think if you bring in a 19 year old kid. You have to be putting them into settled defence with an established goalkeeper, an established centre half, and two good fullbacks. A 19 year old kid, and put him alongside Stephen Welsh or the guy for Ross County, we bring him back. Talent, it speaks for itself, Jim. You know? So, um, I'm just, you know, I I, I would rather see somebody in there that kind of knows what they're doing. And if they've scouted Vuskovic and they think he's the real deal, then bring him in. But if they think like you think he's too young and it's a risk, then don't. You know, but I'd be inclined to. I don't think he's. I don't think he's too young. I think he lacks experience, and that's my big concern. I think we need organisers in there. We need people who know exactly what they're doing. Don't have to be coached too much. And I think that's what you learn over time. And it's all about opinions, obviously. I'd rather we're going for guys at maybe twenty-seven and twenty-eight and not paying a fortune for them. But guys know what they're doing. Guys that can defend, defend so fast, play the ball later. But if he's first team ready, first team ready at nineteen twenty-seven or whatever, you know. So, but I think also, I think we're also buying him with a view to selling him for making a lot of money. Because if we're going to spend the guts of whatever it was four million pound on him and giving th- was it was it thirteen grand a week or something, that's what's three million over the four years. We were investing at seven million pound this kid. So we must be thinking we can sell him further down the line. Which is fine, it's absolutely fine. But I just don't think this season, I think last season was all trying to make history. This year's been trying to make money. You know, don't bind themselves players further down the line. I just think we need a team, and I'm going to keep using this phrase, obviously, battle-hard experienced guys. The guy sounds like a talent. Absolutely sounds like a talent. 
Tony, just just before we close things, I um, I wanted to get your thoughts on. Um, I was having a discussion with a friend about some of the players at the Euros, and as Jim said, there's there's players of very high quality in teams that you might not consider fashionable that other people wouldn't look at. And I was kind of saying, you know, I can't believe that we can't sell ourselves to these players, that we can't sell ourselves as a club as an opportunity for them to build their own reputation, get an opportunity to play Champions League football when they wouldn't necessarily get to other clubs who would offer that. Do you think part of our problem in recent years, I've heard people also say we go for the obvious overpriced choice rather than the less obvious um, choice that may be more than happy to come to Celtic. Do you think we sell ourselves short in that regard about the opportunity we can offer some of these players? I don't think we sell ourselves short. I just don't think we're looking in the right places for players. It's clearly mm. we've got thirteen scouts. If someone pointed out to line called called as ignorant, I, I want to know what they do. What leagues and what players are they watching? Because I keep saying it. You, Jim and myself, could be tasked with watching a league in Europe, two or three leagues in Europe, and you would come and say to Celtic, right, I'll watch it the whole season. And you would have a list of people for players in positions, every position, the length of your arm, and you could say, this guy, such and such, such and such, you know. So what are they doing? You know, many leagues are in, you know, uh, the Swiss League, the Czech League, Swedish League, Hungarian League, you know, Ukrainian League for that matter, they reach the quarterfinals. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so why are we not looking at clubs, as I keep saying, maybe not Champions League teams, but teams below that bracket, Europa League, you know, third to eighth, third to tenth, and coming up with a whole list of targets. You know, I'll go back to Bobo Baldi came from Toulouse. We all became from AIK Stockholm. Jim says, battle hardened big guys. I want big guys in my team as well. Mm-hmm. You know, a bit of height presence. Because currently, and I said it in previous posts, we've got a team of midgets. We've got a team of small players. You know, but it's true. We lack height. So if you're going to bring in defenders, I want them to be big guys for a start. Vuskovic is a big guy. I think he's six foot plus. You know, so and he can play in a, a variety of positions in the defence. So versatility is good as well. So I'm I'm on board if they if they're going to bring in Vuskovic, go and get him. If they're not, move on, move down the move down the list. But you know, but you you, you have to. You, what, what was the problem last season with Celtic? We, we we conceded too many goals from set pieces because we weren't the dominant. At those, you know, so you got to get. I mean, it, you don't need a genius to tell you you need height in your defence, mm-hmm. you know, and so and, you know, big guys to win the ball in the air, and also be able to clear it in the deck and do that. I keep going back to the basics. We get defence that can't master the basics at times, you know. So I, um, I think I don't know what's what's wrong with the scouting system if there is anything wrong with it. But as Jim said, we need to know exactly what they do. Because if there's that many people there, then sure, that's 13 people, right? Surely there should be a list. You know, if if they all contributed 20 players each, that's over 250 players. Mm-hmm. And so why is it such a problem for Celtic to identify defenders, full-backs, centre-backs? You know, we never usually... We're OK, we can identify a striker and a midfielder, but it's always the defensive positions, goalkeepers... Fullbacks, central defenders, 
And then you look across at the other side of the city who have never seemed to have that problem. They need a goalkeeper, they go and get one. They need a central defender, they go and get one. You now I go back to the likes of Boomsong, Kweya, you know, Yorkie Bjorkland, uh, Bowley. You know, they just seem to pluck them from out the air. So, we'll, we'll leave we'll leave Bert Conterman out of it. You know, that that's what I mean. Balogun, you know, as Jim said there, Goldson. You know, Barisic so, is another find, I think. Yeah. Right, correct. So and they signed Barisic on the back of playing I think. the team, didn't they? Mm-hmm. In Europe because they thought he could do a job. So, you know, and and, and there's no better evidence than actually playing against somebody twice. Mm-hmm. Think, you know what? You mm-hmm. could do it for us. So I, 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 again, I don't don't know. Like Jim said, we don't know what these people do at the club. But how can we not identify players? I, I find it staggering for a club, a big club like Celtic, to not be able to do that. And then go back to it. You have to start acting like a big club. Mm-hmm. When you're I also Laura. Think also Laura. It's it's not about trying to sell. The team, everything will come back to money. Everything must always come back to money. And I don't know how much these players are getting paid in the leagues that Tony mentioned there. But if the report we believe in it, and it is none of us at the end of the day, £13,000 a week, how does that compare to leagues in just now? Because I think for lots of you know experienced players, that's a lot of money. And I think, as I said a few times last season, it's difficult to be a player because obviously we talked about Brian Christie last year in the party, he's like, does he feel? Young guy, he walks in, he's earning 13 grand, he's getting eight. You know, there's a real balance act there to be done, I think. I don't think it's about selling the club. If the money's right, the players will come. Because the other factors, the chance to play for 60,000 every second week, the chance to hopefully play in Europe, maybe the Champions League, those are other factors. But if you're paying somebody the money they want, then they will come. Pay the money and they will come. Uh, but as Tony said there, it's actually identifying the players in those leagues. And I think if you find the work of the money they're on, they don't, you don't maybe have to offer somebody 13 grand a week because they could be on two or three grand a week. You offer them six or seven, they'll still come. So that whole thing's a bit of a balancing act for me. But uh, the punchline today was we need players, I think as both said, we need players in now as soon as possible. Guys that can do a job because time is not on our side. Yeah, I think we I think we'll go forward looking positively towards the, the start of the season. We we hopefully we'll have more signings to talk about this time next week or the week after. Uh time isn't on our side, but hopefully fortune is and we will get there. So thanks everybody for watching today. We've really enjoyed reading all your comments um and see that you're chatting amongst yourselves in the comments. It's really good to see. Um uh thanks very much for your time, Tony and Jim. This has been a Celtic State of Mind and we'll see you all very soon.
This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.